Welcome to Transformation in 10, bringing you expert insights for navigating the transformations impacting application delivery. This podcast is presented by Tricentis and brought to life by our special guests across the quality, DevOps, cloud, and business worlds. Hello, listeners. It's your host, Emma, and I've got some really fun news for you today. Firstly, we have another video episode, so go ahead and click the link in the episode description to watch it. And hold up one second as we have a birthday to celebrate. On Wednesday, the 6th of April, Transformation in 10 turned one. And to celebrate this, we're giving away cookies. Just tell us your best digital transformation tip in 10 words or less by April 15th. To enter, share on LinkedIn or Twitter with the hashtag Transformation in 10. That's with the numbers 10. Or email us at podcast at tricentus.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Enjoy the chat with Louise. Greetings, listeners. It's Emma here, and I have an absolutely brilliant guest with me here today. It's my absolute pleasure to talk with Louise McCarthy, a digital transformation director with decades of experience in C-level roles, largely in finance, plus an absolute driving force for women founders as a managing director of a female entrepreneurship firm, Efren Self Capital Partners. On LinkedIn, I counted a total of 11 current positions, so it's impossible to capture your day-to-day in just a line or two, Louise. Uh, good afternoon. How are you today? Uh, hi, Emma. I'm, I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm in uh, sunny Devon, so I'm, I'm very lucky to, to be in Devon today. Oh, wonderful. It's so nice now the weather is kind of turning around a bit. We can get out to those more coastal uh you know, coastal areas, enjoy enjoying the south of England. I believe you're on this, yeah, you're based in the south of England most of the time then. You're I actually- am, yes, I am, yes. So Louise, you've directed numerous huge, complex and successful digital transformations, largely for the financial sector. Uh, so at HMRC, the tax authority in the UK, you were a key contributor uh, in reducing IT costs from over 1 billion to 7 million per, per annum. At HSBC, you created a strategy and you delivered on that transformation, which resulted in a 170 million rev a year. So yeah, pretty astounding results. And at Tricentis, we've been so lucky to have you as a growth advisory board member since back in 2008. So yeah, you've been with us for quite some time now. So I'm excited to hear how your insights and advice extend to the podcast. Now, <laughs> I'll catch a breath soon. Towards the end, <laughs> towards the end of last year, You took up two pretty significant roles, and that's to advance the careers of female entrepreneurs in finance and beyond. And when I was kind of reading into this, when you announced uh, one of these roles, uh, your company, Athena Ventures, you shared that a major incentive was knowing just how hard it can be for female founders, you know, to get that investment. So if you could share some of your experience, which inspired you uh, on that journey and how you are helping, that would be brilliant. Thank you, Emma. Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really lucky um, being at this point of my career. I mean, I've been in business now for over 35 years. In, and in all of those 35 years, I've been a lonesome female in many, many senior roles. And I know how difficult it is for females to actually get their voice heard. So sort of come to the end of my career, I just thought, you know, I wanted to take a portfolio role rather than being in corporates. I just wanted them do something and give something back to uh, females. So after having quite a bit of um, time in my roles, mentoring and supporting females in the last 35 years, I thought, what can I do that's going to give back to females? 
And realizing how difficult it is for females to get investment. So they may have a great idea. They may be an incredible female, but they're struggling to get investment. So I met this incredible guy who's the founder of um, Eversall Capital Partners, who's ex-Goldman Sachs, Anthony Moore, who's absolutely an incredible, lovely guy. And I was just telling him my story and my journey. And he said, let's partner together. And in that, we've created Athena Ventures. And it's all about giving back. So it's not a VC in such, it's not an angel investment. It's actually taking females with the great ideas and making them a success. So it's not giving them the money or giving them a bit of money. It's giving them all the money they need and wrapping our arms around them and providing them with mentorship, support, coaching, and everything they need to actually make their business a success. So I wake up every morning and it feels like I'm in a big dream. I'm doing something wonderful, incredible, and something I absolutely love. And hopefully it's going to make a difference. Literally only 2% of females get investment. 2%. So that means 98% of the money goes to men and only 2% goes to females. And it's just so, so sad in 2022 yeah. that it's that number. And it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Last year, it was 2.7%. And now it's only 2%. So I am so lucky and so proud we have this opportunity to make a difference. That's phenomenal. And I, I, yeah, I read, it's interesting that you said, I mean, you kind of have this, this gut about these things and you hear that, you know, uh, females are set back. But when you put it like that at 2% and decreasing, you know, with the likes of the pandemic, also meaning that the male counterparts are further ahead. So to see you and, that, you know, quite a U-turn for you, as you said, to go from the more corporate space to providing this, not, not just that, that money channel, but the whole support network, um, emotional, financial, everything is awesome. And, you know, it's quite early on in this venture. But yeah, I'm so excited to see kind of the stories that come out of this. And I just think it's so admirable. That's where you're putting you know, a lot of your time. And so thank you for sharing that. That's It's really cool. And along the a similar lines, you know, you said you have been leading on these transformations, but in the same breath, you know, mentoring, supporting females prior to, to this. So and one of those is pretty cool. It's Microsoft Startup Growth X program. Um, so of course, that I imagine that includes, you know, everyone, everyone across the spectrum. So what is it that keeps you coming back and mentoring uh, different women and individuals that, you know, across the industry? Well, I just think it's, I mean, my own personal experience, I've had 35 years of really struggling to actually get my, vo- my voice heard. And I just think if there is some way that I can do something to help more females, Females, I mean, the stats say, and I'm a facts-based person, so the facts say 60%, 63% of females make better CEOs than the males, but only 2% get investment. So, you know, if there is that and that's happening, and I've seen all the way through my career why it's so hard and how difficult it is for females to get a step on the ladder, if I can do something to give back to make that happen. And, and I, I've been doing some research and asking the question, well, why why is it that these stats are so bad, but females do make such good um, founders or CEOs? And the conclusion has come to that females aren't necessarily as confident as males. So, I mean, you've probably heard this story before, but when females apply for a job, if there's one thing on a job spec they can't do, they won't apply for it. If a man applies for a job, if there's one thing on the job they can do, they will apply for it. 
And I think it's just about confidence. And I think if I can bring together a community of females, of like-minded females that have been, been in corporates like myself, that have been around the houses for a while in terms of lots of companies, but also a group of females that are all, watching, all going through the same thing together, all startup companies, and then network those together, plus be giving them the support. I really believe that we can make a difference. And some of the other things I've identified is, you know, for example, if you're in Africa, one of our areas, our top areas, is supporting um, African female founders. And again, that's probably one of the worst areas in the world for um, in investment within females. But they're the ones that have got the ideas because they're the ones that are running. For example, we've, we've got a business at Everton Capital Partners, which is about wastewater. And they're the, the females in Africa, the ones that are carrying the water around on their shoulders, or they're the ones that have got the great ideas in terms of what technology can, you know, improve the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't get their investment. So I do think that if, if we can give that, you know, that lucky break to an incredible female with an incredible idea, we give them the investment that they need, give them the mentoring and the support, and, you know, get those lucky breaks, we can actually make, you know, change that 2% and make the world a better place. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Africa. I spent some time in Zambia actually working at a PR agency with a woman-led SME, I guess it is. And it was just like such an incredible experience. I mean, and as well, what you say in terms of, you know, women just seeing themselves as maybe being less able to kind of see the horizon and see that, okay, well, if this isn't something that I have now that I can aspire to be that way, or, you know, like, as you said, showing them or kind of that, that camaraderie between women as well is super important. And uh, I think like like in many respects, if you see examples and the more examples we have of women, you know, taking the charge and getting that backing, then yeah, fingers crossed that those figures should increase. And it's kind of interesting to note too, that you are obviously very data driven. So, you know, you've come away from that corporate world with that, <laughs> applying the same skill set there and, and being very goal driven, which, which is really admirable. So that's awesome. I think that is what's so good about Athena. I mean, we've got 38 female founders from all over the globe at the moment at various stages of their life cycle. Um, and you hear we've got WhatsApp groups running. We have weekly drop-ins with, you know, people that are guest speakers. For example, we had the CEO of Secret Escapes last week. It was Alex. He was absolutely incredible. But every week we bring people in who are actually telling them their zero-to-hero stories, um, whether it's females or males, actually. But you hear the stories and, and the founders are asking questions, but then they're networking with each other and sharing ideas and sharing templates. And they're just thinking, you know, this is incredible, you know, and, you know, that's why a lot of people want to come to Athena, because you're getting more than just the money. Sure. Yes, exactly. That, that support network is phenomenal. But um, it would be remiss not to talk about your experience with the digital transformation. So, you know, you've had resounding success across the board in that respect as a transformation director across a lot of big name companies, you know, HSBC, Specsavers, Aviva, the list goes on there. Do you have any common practices that you've picked up on that you've applied to achieve consistently at these places at scale, especially as a woman? in this male-dominated field that we're in? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been lucky in, I mean, obviously 35 years of experience, back to even to my first ever role when I was 17. I, I didn't go to university, unfortunately. I came from a poor background, um, but I had to push myself through the, the ranks. And 35 years ago, even then, I was doing digital transformation. You wouldn't believe it, but that was in the early days of SAP and when computers first came in. But one of the things that was in my foundations back even those days, which I still carry in my toolkit when I'm doing a digital transformation, is what I call the process mapping. 
And that is looking at the nine box grid, which is all of the processes across the whole organization, front office, middle office and back office. And taking that and basically saying, let's map the as is, let's map the to be processes and then identify the pain points in those processes. But the key thing to that is bring the process owners, the people that run those processes on a daily basis and the people that, you know, sometimes are transactional level people that never really get their voice heard. They never speak up. They're the ones that are just running the processes. They're the ones that are closest to the processes that know things that are going wrong. And then once you've identified the pain points, then it's key to understand how do you automate those processes and what technology would you use to automate them? So really, they're just the common things that I've always taken along with me. It's about identifying the pain points as a measure of success. And one more common thing that I've started or had started introducing in the last few digital transformations was adding the ESG agenda into that. So um, what is the carbon footprint? What's the diversity in that? What's the society impact of what you're doing in those processes? So not just measuring the process improvements in terms of cost savings or revenue generation or KPI improvements, but actually then overlaying what's the carbon emissions or how does that impact society? And I just think that's one thing that I think lots of digital transformations can learn from um, today is adding that, those layers. But they're the key things in my, um, my kit bag. And, you know, from 35 years ago, I'm still using them. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Tried and tested and, and haven't failed you. That's exactly. awesome. And I, I saw, I watched the session you did, the DevOps Unbound session on how to lead a DevOps transformation. And yeah, it was it, that point about, really addressing the pain points and where you said that if process owners rather run through their pain points and you find a solution, then you get somewhere. If you just focus on that higher tier level and that, you know, C-level sweet buying or director level, it, it, you're not going to get that the com- complete kind of landscape overview. So I really like that kind of visual, the the nine box process that, that you spoke about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And in terms of the ESG um, factors there, Really cool. I mean, obviously, these are things that are just CO2 impact of tech or, as you said, the social economic uh, environment. So, so important and something that affects not just technology. Really, it's across the the board, but really cool that technology is one space that can really positively impact that as much as it's kind of settles back in some ways. It has some um, a lot of uh, really cool implications. So that's really that's really great to hear. Speaking from 35 years of experience in her field, Louise provides a clear lens into how statistics are heavily stacked against women in tech and not least women founders. She's doing something incredibly honorable in dedicating her time to supporting female entrepreneurs, recognizing that they need holistic support covering both financial and emotional needs. Her time spent helping organizations with their client digital transformations is equally impressive with thorough process mapping, never failing to meet client needs. You can hear more insights on how Louise drives digital transformations in part two of our chat coming up next. Catch you there.